Hey there, Sleezoids, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm the bad boy of X-Men podcasting, Zach Jenkins. How we doing, Adam? I am great. I am not, uh, you know, infected by an alien species. Uh, as I'm far feeling, as you know. As far as I know. You know, I'm I'm not the host of, you know, some alien queen. So I'm feeling Well, that's the tricky thing about the brood, Adam. They mm. uh they infect you deep, uh, and you don't even know until it's too late, and then your eyes go all crinkly. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have some crinkly eyes because this episode is all about the brood. Yeah, the brood, they're my favorite. Uh are you saying brood? Yeah, I'm doing You're making a... fun of are you making fun of me? I'm doing a I'm making fun of a thing you said six years ago. Yes. <laughs> okay. I was just checking. I was making sure that we had folks, like accidentally, folks, you know, like the Mandela effect. Like <laughs> I'm just making sure that we didn't accidentally transfer that to you. Folks. If you like Adam have forgotten the deep lore of this podcast, you may know that in an episode that I'm not looking up, Adam pronounced brood as brood and it caused quite a stir as far as I remember. Why did it cause co- quite a stir? I I can't tell you. Well, it, listen, it, that is not how it is pronounced. And nope. it is something it took me a long time to live. What's the word? What's the, how's that phrase go? Uh, a, a long time to I don't live. know what you're trying to say now, Adam. Are you good? No, you know, like. Or brood? I have to live. Or good? Live yeah, it'd be good in this case. What is the phrase though when you when it takes a long time for something to This is such good radio. Live down? That's not right. What is you know, like it takes a long time for people to get over? How do you say that? Are you There's looking a, for the word accept? Uh, I'm gonna edit all this out. Um I don't know. <laughs> I think this is great. <laughs> I'm gonna realize as I'm falling asleep what I'm trying to say right now. You are I, you I'm are. not gonna fall asleep now. You miss because if you when you edit when you edit this out, because let's be clear, you need to edit this out. Uh <laughs> You are going to unfortunately edit out my good brood, good and good joke. But oh, I'm not that's editing, fine. I'm not going to edit any of that out. Please, for everyone's sake, it's already <laughs> two and a half million minutes into the podcast, and it's so. Um, <laughs> we talk about the X Men, don't we, Adam, my friend? My friend, we Adam. do. Uh, every story from uh, brood to brew. We, that's nothing. <laughs> what I know. I know that I have failed bits on this podcast frequently. <laughs> that is nothing, Adam. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, brood, from brood to sleezoid? Uh, that almost gets us to Z. I don't know. So anyway, Matt Smith. I want to thank Patreon supporter Matt Smith for whatever this is. Matt, I'm so sorry. Uh, but if you want to be <laughs> like Matt and have Adam and I just frankly – frankly lose all sense of time and space mm-hmm. you can go mm-hmm. over to patreon.com slash comics xf reach deep down into your hearts and pocketbooks and toss a couple of coins in our coffers you do that at five dollar level we do a whole episode about one of your suggestions 
And folks, this is the best it can be. So this week we're talking about The Brood. Uh, and specifically, we're going to start with what Matt wanted us to talk about, which is X-Men versus The Brood, Day of Wrath. Uh, this is written by John Ostrander with pencils by Brian Hitch. And you know Paul Neary, he's on the inks. This is like a prestige two-issue mini here, you know? Yeah, the year was 1996. We were in the thralls of, I mean, this is post, no, this is on, This is Onslaught times, right? It specifically says that this story happens before Onslaught, which means that Onslaught is happening in current, you know, contemporary publishing at the time right. this comes so, out. So this is right before Marvel has lost all of the money. <laughs> You could say that, yes. Okay, I hold mean, on. I want to. I want to take a pause here. People need to understand that Marvel's bankruptcy, while they did make some truly terrible uh, M and A activity uh, choices, especially around the Fleer acquisition that they did, their Chapter Eleven was not necessarily about their finances being the world's worst shape. A lot of their chapter 11 was about restructuring the organization in such a way that the toy biz guys uh, could really take over. And luckily Ike Perlmutter's not done anything bad since then. Yeah. I mean, luckily he's, you know, not shadow running the VA or anything like that. We don't talk about the fact that Ike Perlmutter <laughs> chairman of Marvel comics and was shadow running the VA. Could still That's, be. We don't know. We're not in the shadows. I as, I assume that Sleepy Joe is not letting him. <laughs> I would hope not, but you just never know. Uh, would it surprise Folks, you? Just, if, just, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put an asterisk right, right here. That was me during doing a joke. I think the fact that Ike Perlmutter running the Shadow VA under uh, Donald Trump was a bad thing, and that in general Trump was a bad person. I think most presidents are bad. I think Trump was an especially bad one. Yeah. I don't think we really need to. Not, our listeners probably know that. I hope. I would do. hope so. But, but <laughs> you see, I'm listening to this book right now. I'm, I say reading. I'm not. I'm not. I'm done with my old tree book. I know you're done with your tree book. So what are we well, on to? The listeners don't know I'm done with my old tree That's book. True, That's true. They don't. Books. That's I read true. some other books in between that. But. I was reading, I was listening to a book right now that's called Nobody's Talking About This. The first half of the book is just somebody writing down what it was like to be very on Twitter between 2015 and 2021 when the book came out. That is something I think I've talked about. It's upsetting. Uh, yeah. Okay. How online she it was. And I was like, oh no, that's me. <laughs> that was me for a that's while. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think people did did talk about that. It's not something that no one was talking about. No one is talking about this. Is the second half of the book where there God. is a life thing that she now feels disconnected from the online world because she has some real actual things to worry mm. about that yeah. she can directly impact. Uh, the point of that was that it's been making me think about Twitter and how not generous Twitter has been, and generally the uh, population of, I don't know, the entire internet. So I just like double check. So people know that I do think Trump was a bad person. I just, <laughs> I feel like they need to know. It's you true. Had it, now you, you don't, know. you don't make yourself accessible online. So people do need a reminder every once in a while. Uh, you know, who would have had a, a pretty great social media following is this Hannah Conover. Hannah Conover would have had a, here's the problem with Hannah Conover. Absolutely followed the Babylon Bee. 
day one <laughs> thought it was great and i'm again think they're bad i'm gonna be honest before it got hecka fash people on facebook in like 2013 would post headlines from there and I would give them a sensible chuckle because I grew up in the church and you know what? There's some things that are, you're like, yes, I relate to this. It got worse. I understand why Hannah Conover would have followed them. Hannah Conover, I'm afraid may or may not have unfollowed them. I don't know. The thing about, we should, people don't know Hannah Conover, do they? Yeah, we need to explain this because this is a character that appeared in uh, the Sylvestri run with Claremont and then disappeared for about a decade and then was brought back for this two-issue mini and has never appeared again. Except for in Chris Claremont's C2E2 panel of 2022, where <laughs> he, as a non-sequitur, brings up that he would have done a story where the brood queen goes to heaven and no one knows what he's talking about. And then me and friend of the pod, Potter Goldsmith, our chatting was like, wait, oh no, he's talking. Okay, we now understand what Chris is talking about. He's talking about this very religious woman whose entire thing is about religion uh, and is also the brood queen. I get what, okay, that one, that one made sense. Chris also forgot that deep lore X-Men fans don't think about Anna Conover all that much. No, because okay. she's in what? Like maybe four or five issues, five issues. total? As yeah. a background character. So um, this is a weird one. This two-issue mini is a sequel to that that run. That it's the arc. one where the brood come back and it's in... Nope. Uh, there's like the super brood. and It has that good cover where Wolverine gets brooded. Yes, absolutely. But this one, we're kind of draw Like Brian Hitch is drawing a newer version of the brood here. Um, these guys have a lot more the armor. Firstborn? Yeah, a lot more armor plating. There's like a lot more uh, like spiky tentacle action coming off of them. So they they look a little bit different than the, we've seen them drawn before. The firstborn are special uh, elite brood. Uh, they are the offspring of the brood empress. They are her assassins. Um, they look like like dinosaurs. They're boring. I don't like <laughs> they really Here's are th- not that exciting. You're right. Brian Hitch, I don't think necessarily does the worst job in this. He's not the Brian Hitch of the like of like 2000 or the late, late 90s. Uh, he is inked by Paul Neary, mm-hmm. which, you know, I know that Hitch has always had a bit of Alan Moore in him. And boy, when Paul Neary is inking him, does it feel like he's got some Alan Moore in him? You mean Alan Davis. Son of a gun. <laughs> well... <laughs> Does Alan Moore draw? I wonder. Probably. I mean, professionally, no. <laughs> he must scribble. I would love, I would love to commission Alan Moore. <laughs> I don't know what I'd get. It'd be fun though. Uh, so you're absolutely right. It's definitely, a, you know, a more of an Alan Davis kind of look. Um, not only is Hannah Conover back, but um, Josie Thomas, who was another side character in there is back and she's the liaison with Uh, the brood because what Hannah Conover knows and for those who don't remember her original story she was uh, part of a religious couple and um, she has what everyone else thinks is miraculous healing powers well she is actually not healing anybody she's infecting them with the brood because she has a brood queen inside of her yeah so on one hand I feel like the Conovers and that arc specifically by Claremont is 
it's it's hard to think of it as anything but a response to God loves man kills. One hundred Claremont's showing the other side of evangelical Christianity, which can do good things and can be a social support network for people. It can sometimes be choosy about what support it'll give and what people it'll give it to. But, you know, we're not getting into that level of detail here. It's not all mega churches in William Stryker and fire and brimstone. I think that's, that's Claremont saying, Hey, let's, let's all sides this bad boy. And Ostrander is not interested in ex- re-exploring the religious implications of Claremont's storytelling. Not care about he is interested in uh, X Men getting in the middle of brood on brood contact. <laughs> I want to be hold on, I want to be clear because John Ostrander did write the Spectre for DC, so it's not like he's like not interested in doing a religious story in general. I think he's just. I think his assignment was do the X Men versus the Brood. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, let's so do that. I the Empress's that. little, you know, like firstborn folks, they've come down because they gotta get rid of Hannah. They gotta kill all the people that she infected because they're, you know, deemed inferior. So the, the X-Men, who here consist of uh Cyclops, Gene, Storm, Bishop, Wolverine, and Cannonball. Oh wait, Beast is here too, right? Beast is there, Iceman's there. Yep. Uh so we got a nice sized team here. Very animated series, kind of. Um, Bishop's hair is drawn exactly like you would imagine Brian Hitch drawing his hair. And if you know, you know. It's also covered with a bandana for most of the time. So (laughs) Brian Hitch may also know. Yes. And that's pretty much what happens, right? I mean. They fight. They fight. Hannah Hannah tries not to turn into a brood queen. Yep. Um, Fails and then succeeds. Well, it, it's interesting, this story coming on the heels of, uh, as this issue, as this episode is coming out, there is a brood arc currently in X-Men and one of the things and we, in Captain Marvel and in Captain Marvel. And what we have remarked upon in our conversations, uh, off the podcast is that it is kind of strange that the X-Men under Jerry, uh, are, are feeling a little genocidal towards the brood. Um, mentioning how all of them should die at, like every couple pages. And, and here, I, th- I feel just, just to be clear, I feel like that's a story beat that's going to be explored further. And I think it's I'm sure an interesting one. I do think it's very funny that I saw an image going around of someone being like, oh yeah, this is why the X-Men are be- better than the Avengers. And they have a Cyclops quote from that issue. And then they carefully censor out the parts where he says, and that's why we should do a genocide. <laughs> So what's interesting about this story in comparison is that really the X-Men decide they need to protect the brood that are on earth from uh, these invaders. Um, So the story does conclude with uh, Hannah Conover being put into a stasis pod in the basement of the X-Mansion. And we uh, just never see her again. They do say that they'll probably send her to Muir Island because. uh, (laughs) Right. (laughs) They they don't want a woman in their house that's frozen. That's weird, right? What do we do with uh, medical what issues we that we this? can't solve? We send them send to, them to Moira. <laughs> Moira, go figure it out. You won't use this for any nefarious purposes, I am sure. <laughs> but if great. Hannah Conover's body becomes a plot point, <laughs> I was just one, thinking that. Then X Men has gone way too far up their own rear end, which happens from time to time. 
In two, I would be ecstatic. My dude, are you reading Marauders? Like this could absolutely be a be a you know something that pops up at some point in X Men content. In the I love friend of the show Steve Orlando. Friend of the show Steve Orlando has written an X Men comic that I, a X Men aficionado, I like. I think it's fair to say that top one percent X Men knower in the world, like. I feel like that's not an unfair statement of my abilities. Sure, sure. X-Menologist. X- yeah, Steve, Steve Orlando lost me in continuity. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I recognize this. I think it's weird from a narrative perspective that you're doing this. That's fine. Steve Orlando has not written The Brood, to my knowledge. No. So if they, uh, for the record, that idea, I, I still have yet to read the issue, but I know what happens. I think it's amazing. Anyway, that's not being ranked right now. No, we're um, ranking X-Men versus the brood day of wrath, which is fine. You know, it's, it's a, it's a very nineties action centric two two issue thingy. And I have a, I have a theory, Adam, and yes. you bring this up with the X-Men stuff that's currently going on in Krakoa. Yep, yep. I think the brood are actually not very good. And I think we just think the brood are good because uh, the brood saga is a good story. Yep. I would agree. What's the best re- what's the best time the brood have come back? I mean, the second time isn't bad because at least Sylvester draws them, right? Uh, it looks great. Brood trouble in the big easy? Probably. Probably that. Very dumb, but fun. I do think the time that they solved the brood problem by brew eating an egg, that's great. Yeah. I know you're not a fan of uh Kitty being impregnated by brood. I, I think that's pretty dumb too. I th- I don't think Kitty getting a brood embryo is necessarily a dumb plot. I think the way they go about it as a weird <laughs> pregnancy scare thing is. Yeah, that's weird, right? Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Feels feels like a fetish. Just <laughs> it, listen, it's X-Men. So many things feel like a fetish. Well, listen, I'm going to bring this up when we get into our second story, but it really does seem time after time, like when at least the first time that the brood came through, it was a serious threat. You know, if you got yeah. infected, you were donezo. And as we're starting to see with this story and the other stories we'll talk about today, if you get infected, it's kind of like, yeah, well, we could fix that. Maybe. Yeah, it's the brood. The brood have diminishing returns almost more than anything else in X-Men, which tells me, hey, maybe just do new stuff. <laughs> Don't. Just do more brood because mm. you got to also tell a story there. Your story yeah. can't be in the brood are there again. Yeah. Yeah. More. And, brood. Oh no. Someone's infected. Like you can't play the hits. And I mm. feel like every brood story almost more than any other kind of concept in X-Men is playing the hits. Well, um, you know, this story does end with a close up on Jesus. So, um, you know, you actually, have- yes. Make all the, <laughs> <laughs> Make more super religious brood stories. That's what we should do. Do a story where the brood queen is at the gates of heaven as Marcelo Biot, a uh, friend of the show, did draw for me at C2E2 last year after I heard Chris Claremont say that thing. Uh, I am looking at it right now. It's better than most brood stories that <laughs> exist. Unfortunately, it's not on our big old list, Adam, but do you know what is? Uh, 756 stories. 756 X-Men stories ranked from best to worst with the top story being House of X powers of 10, the hundredth story being ultimate X-Men world tour 200th being morph. 
uh, from Uncanny X-Men Volume 3, number 14. Number 300 being Glob Loves Man Kills. Number 400 being Death Whale from Generation X. Number 500 being X-Men Regenesis. Number 600 being the first arc of that Mystique solo series. Number 700 being Legion. And number 756 being Draco. I think we're in the 500s. I think we're in the 500s. Sounds about right. Because what's around? What's around 500? Death Whale's there. Dazzler 13 is there. Extraordinary, or not Death Whale, excuse me. Regenesis. The first arc of Extraordinary is there. Um, How deep into the 500s? You have highlighted Dazzler, Herald of Galactus. Yeah, it's not as good as that. Where's Brood Feud 2? (laughs) I think it's lower. I think this is better than Brood Feud 2. It is better than Brood Feud 2. Let's find that. Where is Brood Feud 2? Uh, that's at 612. That's at 612. Yeah, it's not that low. Yeah, this think... is because this is better than that Mystique series. Uh, uh-huh. Yep, I would agree with that. Better than the X-Factor She-Hulk Secret Invasion tie-in. Yeah, and that's at 569. Um, not better than Daddy Boros from X-Factor. Yep, and that's at there 560. We We're getting closer. I think back to Asgard, I would... Uh, it's mm, is this better or worse than back to Asgard. I do like that Brett Blevins art. Yeah, but back to Asgard long. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a dud. Um, it's kind of a dud. Uh, I would say between back to Asgard and what's directly above it, which is Weapon X Force, there the we arc go. involving Azazel. Yes, and that's a great. What an insane arc. <laughs> the more I think about Weapon X Force. Uh, there was fun to be had on that one. All right. So there that's was fun to be had talking about it. We've been talking recently and by recently, I mean today, this about, afternoon, this afternoon yeah. about how for like four years, most X-Men comics were bad. And then we had an argument that, well, actually 2019 as a whole had a lot of, had a lot of highlights. And we said, fine. Uh, from like a point in 2018 to a point in 2019, there were better comics. But then all of the good comics we could think about from between 2015 and then uh, were from that like 12 month period. So I think we decided that there were lots of highlights in general, but you know that I wouldn't say lots of highlights. There were some highlights that certain people were defending, like me, and there were other titles which I think we all agreed could have never happened and that would have been fine but you know whatever these things will come in the highs and lows and enough enough about x-men gold really <laughs> x-men gold didn't have a brood fight that's weird <clears throat> that is weird that is weird that they did not that the googs did not bring uh the brood back feels like googs would have been a big big brood boy i agree i agree where are we going next uh to another big brood boy that is of course astonishing x-men volume three 38 40 and 42 yeah they're arc called meanwhile doing uh two arcs at the same time flipping between issues i guess to keep the book coming out on time which astonishing x-men historically has never had an issue coming out on time (laughs) well after whedon leaves i guess you know they they Made it more of a priority. So we have Chris. Really? Because I'm not 100% sure that uh, Warren Ellis was. I mean, okay, I'm looking at these dates. Not the worst. Still. Warren Ellis also was not getting the book in on time. That's probably true. I don't know. I was not reading this book when it came out. What I can tell you is that Christos Gage 
is drawing. Uh, Juan Bobillo is uh, doing the art. And uh, we got covers by Salvador LaRocca, which are some of them are a little strange. Um, I I know it says LaRocca. No, that cover is not by Salvador LaRocca. I'm the first sorry. one? That's absolutely not by Salvador LaRocca. The Marvel Marvel Wikia is like No, 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 no. I'm looking at the credit on Astonishing 38. The credit goes to Salvador LaRocca and Frank D'Armada. And yes, Storm does have an anime face. Explain that. That This is... I have <laughs> never... Look at his beast. That doesn't look like a Salvador LaRocca beast. It also... Colossus, Colossus does look like Salvador LaRocca Colossus. I'll I'm give him that. I'm just telling you. Um, the colors are so... This cover is bizarre to me. It does have... It does have anime uh, Allison Brand and anime Storm. Do you know what's weird about this in the grand scheme of astonishing X-Men? I don't know. uh, That Warren Ellis's last arc was also a brood story. So it's weird to go from that. Uh, Now, to be fair, Warren Ellis's last issue came out August 2010. Uh, The next issue of astonishing came out February 2011. It's a bit of a break. And then they do two issues of a Daniel way, Jason Pearson story about half the team going and fighting monsters in Japan. It's eh. a bad story. Oh, thanks. Sarah Pacelli actually jumps in on pencils at one point there and it's early oh. Sarah Pacelli art. Okay. And that part's okay. nice. Yeah. Um, but then we get this arc called meanwhile, which inner space or goes in between this. Uh, let's start with the art since we're already talking about that. How do you feel about Juan Bobilio? Juan Bobillo is doing uh, sometimes some really cool and interesting things. Um, Cause I had not seen Juan's art before. And the yes, second on what uh, mechanics for one. Oh, right. And have you read, have you read the Hickman fantastic four stuff? I have. Yes. One does the bad looking issues of uh, FF. Oof. Okay. You, you know, you know, when uh, the book goes from fantastic four to FF and yes. then it's again, good for a good chunk. Yep. And then they bring back fantastic four mm. and the FF art immediately drops off a freaking cliff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one Bobio. Okay. Okay. All right. I, none of that registered, you know, the mechanics is not a, a huge favorite of mine. Um, I got to say second page. I'm like, all right, he's doing some interesting things. There's some, there's some very cool perspective shots of uh brand, you know, holding her weapons up as, as the brood infest the space station that they're on. Um, I think by the time we get to page six, where we see his version of the beast, what is it about people drawing beast in sword that makes them go off their rockers right like we did not that long ago talk about the sword mini where beast looks like a horse yeah right and here good god what is doing to this character he looks crazy it's the most insane off model beast (laughs) i have ever seen and listen (laughs) folks i've seen a lot of off model beasts i've seen so many off-model beasts. This one takes the cake. There is one, one panel that I think they might have just been drawing Predator, like without his mask on. It's very strange. It just completely kind of puts the you know lion-esque 
cat-like version of the beast off to the side and decides to just have all of these very, very long whisker dreadlock tentacle like things kind of sprouting out of his body. And it's, it's very not like, weird. It's not like Frank quietly or John Cassidy were exactly like going nuts with their beast design. It was very crisp, clean and straightforward. How did we screw this one up so badly? What's interesting is that given which page you're on, it actually like goes in between getting it and completely not getting it. Most of the time though, it's just like, I don't understand, you know, quietly very clearly put like a lion cat nose on the beast. Like just do that. It's not, (laughs) it's not that crazy. It's not that hard. No. And yet I don't think that beast is the most upsetting character drawn in this comic. Uh, are you going to say Kitty Pride? I was going to say Brew, actually. Well, we'll get to Brew. Brew does make his debut uh, in this story as a, you know, Maybe. Mut- mutant brood. Um, he doesn't look anything like he does when he pops back up in Wolverine and the X-Men. Or but- anything like he does on the cover of this comic by Salvador La Roca. No, Which no. The cover, the cover to 42 and 40 do look like Salvador Loca. Yes. So the plot here is very simple. The brood have um, attacked one of uh, the Pandora's box, which is one of S.W.O.R.D.'s other space stations. And sure. uh, the X-Men basically have to go and rescue Abigail Brand. It's a team of... Already infected. It's a team of Storm mm-hmm. who had been on it again, off again on the uh, astonishing team through Ellis's run Colossus beast, who is not on the astonishing team because he left, uh, not Krakoa was a utopia, right? Uh, over Cyclops. Yeah. Over moral differences. Mm-hmm. Beast really, he just couldn't imagine using a wetworks team <laughs> more than anything. Um, anything else he couldn't imagine using a wetworks team and not telling him about it oh boy Gosh. uh also also changed. kitty pride's back from space and she is in her short-lived wearing a spacesuit era yes and gets reunited with lockheed who she didn't realize was more of a person than a pet so that's the lockheed the Lockheed stuff's weird in this, right? Very like, weird. I think it was a weird choice of Whedon's to make Lockheed a dude. Yes, I but agree. Also, that I mean, like Lobdell also kind of did that in Excalibur. In mm-hmm. that, was it Lobdell who did the rhyming issue that d- was like someone who had heard about poetry but didn't know what poetry <laughs> was? That sounds like Scott Lobdell. Freaking <laughs> Scotty Lobs, baby. Uh, so yeah like kitty's powers i guess she's still kind of phased so she's stuck in this yeah yeah, she's she's stuck in permanent phase mode again right which is weird because in the third issue she absolutely takes uh part of she takes the gloves off of her suit and does manage to close a door and not be in phase mode so like so a little inconsistent there, but like, oh, that's that's I'm I'm hundred percent sure that Juan Bobillo did not know what was going on, and he drew the pages and they said, "Dang it, okay, just let's go." It's one hundred percent in the script, man. It's got to be because she's closing the door 
from the brood that are chasing her. Like, look, look, <laughs> eh, I don't know if that would 100% be in the script. Here's what I do know is that Christos Gage, he's a jobber. Sure, Christos sure. Gage is going to get in there. He's going to get his paycheck. He's going to get out. Yeah. Christos Gage is not going to. Christos Gage is going to deliver you a comic book that you can sell. Christos Gage is not going to change the medium. I don't. I mean, Christos Gage isn't very like great, in my opinion. Uh, I think we're worrying a little bit too much about this. Uh, you know, this is yet. I have another... a lot of strong Christos Gage opinions. Like most of them. <laughs> Most of them are making fun of Dan Slott for not hitting his deadlines and Christos Gage <laughs> having to, even though Dan Slott writes Marvel style, which Stan Lee specifically made so that he could write a billion books a month. Sure. Got to make that cash. Uh, this is yet another story. I mean, he, was, he was the editor at the time. He wasn't making freelance cash. He was just getting pages out, but go off. Uh, okay. Um, I, I was saying the, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the first story, which is that, you know, everybody on the X-Men, including Abigail, um, the only person who doesn't get turned into a brood is Kitty. And then they're all fine later. Like, you know, the, the stakes of what a brood invasion mean are just completely meaningless at this point. You know that anybody that is going to get transformed is going to get transformed back through some sort of magic. And, they you just know. all really want to transform back and control themselves really good this time. Sure. Yeah, I guess. So we do meet Brew. Yeah, so. we we meet Brew. He looks like kind of a little ET guy. Yeah, but like, you know how uh, e ET a little chubby? His arms <laughs> right. his arms aren't but ET a little chubby? Mhm. Brew is not. No, this Brew is like scrawny Mc, Mc, uh skinny stick figure dude like centimeters wide is this brew yeah, yeah it does make them say like wait if this brood is like a person that doesn't want to kill everybody should we be doing this murders and that's the problem with alien stories in superhero comics because they write aliens as sentient beings that are okay to do every amount of murder to no matter how high your moral standings are because they are aliens. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that too hard, it falls apart, which is why you shouldn't do stories about, is it okay or not to do a genocide on them? <laughs> Just you're, it's like asking why Batman doesn't buy crime. One, the answer is never going to be satisfying Two, you're, you're breaking the rules of the genre or in. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to overthink it. It's just a little well, silly. Christos Gage sure didn't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the sword has, I, I said it was hand wavy. Sword has developed a way to remove uh, a brood embryo from your body. So they do use this technology and then they bring brew back to Utopia and they're like, hey, you want to go to school? That'd be cool. And that's the end of the story. They say, when we have a school again, we'll let you come. Yeah. You can take classes and then, you know, then it's up to Jason Aaron to do that. Wild pull, honestly, on Jason's part. But hey, it worked out. Sure. Okay. I, I do like that idea. You know, I always like the idea of the mutant uh, brood characters that are, you know, the offshoots of the regular ones. But um, it's more successful, I think, at least with with brew here, even in his limited screen time um, than it is in X-Men versus the brood where. You know, there's these like 
transformer yes. level everybody wearing metal kind of thing like that didn't work as well for me no 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 i agree with you i agree with you here yeah i still but, don't think this story is good no i don't know it has and, some of the worst art i've seen in x-men here's the thing about bobia's art there are times where i'm like wow i really appreciate what he is doing i think that he has drawing ability i think he has drawing skill I think it is a style thing more than anything that really just drives me nuts. It's the way in which he models the characters. It's the facial expressions he gives those characters. Um, and it's just little things like why are Kitty Pride's lips like half the size of her head for the entire arc? Like you right. could, he definitely has the drawing ability not to do that. He is making a stylistic choice to do that. And that annoys me. And I always do say, like, like Chris Bachelor, for example, if someone tells me they hate his art, I say, okay, I get it. Yeah. I think you're wrong, but I get it. Right. And part of me doesn't know, because it is so stylized, like, is this just not for me or is it bad? And I think, I think it can be both on occasion. I think it's like, yes, you are making a choice, but the beauty of choices is that there are bad ones. Yeah, I well, where I will defend is that I think that his page layouts are pretty good. Um, like there's a emotion and a rhythm to the storytelling that he puts down and the, the action sequences are pretty solid. Um, but again, I don't like the way that he is stylizing all of the characters. The Lockheed here seems off model, you know, even the brood. I don't I don't. I don't connect them the same way as maybe when, you know, we used to see them from Cockrum or Smith or Sylvester or even Hitch that we just talked about. So um, is this better or worse than X-Men versus the brood? Worse, better or worse than mechanics. I'd say worse than mechanics at five. Yeah, it's worse than mechanics. Yep. And what's mechanics at five eighty nine? It's worse yeah. than spotlight on star jammers at five ninety seven. Yep. I agree. Cause that has that really fun Cree story in it. Um, um, is it better or worse than the Iceman story we talked about? Boy, oh boy, we're getting into like it our now. last episode. I think Beauty and the Beast is better, and that's at six eighteen. Yeah, I mean the Star Trek ones are better than this. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, better or worse? This than... is getting lower than I expected. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's you... worse than Cap. It's worse than Quest Pro. Yeah, and you you highlighted Wisdom Max at six thirty nine. I think this is worse. I don't think this is as bad. Oh, but that has the Bilson Kevin chart. The yeah, I mean, again, the Bilson Kevin chart is racist. The parts that aren't racist are beautiful. Yeah, is this better or worse than that? This we're talking about the it's Gladiators arc of New Mutants. It's worse than the Gladiators arc. Is it better or worse than Amazing Spider-Man four twenty at six sixty three? I I, mean, I think this is better than that. <laughs> That is Are we sure that <laughs> there's a story being told here? It's is this not... better or worse than revolutions at 667, which is oh, it's worse than revolutions. It's worse than revolutions. All right, we're just going to keep our work on our way down. I don't think this is as bad as Marvel manga verse X-Men. And I don't think this is as bad as Captain Marvel two and three, the secret origin of Adam X, the X stream that no one in the X-Men read. Yeah. Um, this is probably... better than the first arc of X-Men forever. Is it? I thought so. I mean, okay, then let's put it between that and revolutions. Okay. Yeah. That's a good spot for it. Telling you the art is just, it's a, it's a real divider here. (laughs) It's tough. It really is. But meanwhile, it's kind of cool, but I don't like it. 
we've got one more uh, to jump into, and that is a a series we've actually barely talked about. That's true, and that's Daddy Cable. Yeah, this is volume three. Two? It's Cable Volume Two because Blood two. and Metal is technically Cable Blood and Metal Volume One, and then they start into the Cable main series. Anyway, uh. It is issues 16 through 20, Bishop Takes Pawn. Uh, it's by Dwayne Swarzewski with Paul Glacey, uh and Gabriel Guzman on it. Right. Um, I want to highlight the cover of Cable 18. Okay. Which is great because it's the cover of Aliens, but <laughs> yes. with Cable. Yes. Uh, and If you're doing a brood arc, like, okay, look. Great. Understood the assignment. Yeah, it, it's uh, instead of Newt, it's it's Hope. So it's, it's you know what? That's exactly what's going on here. Um, actually, that's not at all what's going on here. What am I talking about? This is not. It's not even a little bit what is going on here. They no. aren't doing an Aliens. What it is, is this is right after uh, Messiah War. Mm-hmm. Cable and Hope actually get separated for a couple of years. Cable tries to find her in Strife's weird future, the age of Strife. And Cable, or in Hope, makes a friend named Emil. And Cable shows up and rips them apart. And it goes into a spaceship because Bishop has uh, nuked the rest of the world. Yeah, And so is going to nuke this small area. For people who have not read this in a while or not at all, we have to remember that Bishop is in, we're in full Bishop character assassination mode here. Okay. Bishop is committed to killing the baby uh, that is hope that is just continuing to age and gets aged up even more in this arc. I want to raise one question because you mentioned character assassination. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know you love Bishop. Sure. Was or was not his first plot point about him figuring out who the traitor to the X-Men was and then killing them. Like, that's what he wanted to do. Oh, right. But we thought that was Gambit. So that was fine. And Gambit wasn't fair. <laughs> fair. Gambit, was, Gambit not, was not a baby. Gambit was not a baby. He was I'm not saying. He was not a tiny child. I'm just saying Bishop was like 50% of the way there. Also, start. hold on a sec. Bishop also then had a pie thrown at him and chuckled that whole idea off. So... This bishop yes. is like, I'm going to chase you mothers through time and genocide every single timeline that I end up with until I kill that child. But they were 616 people, so they don't count. And again, in the same way that the brood. What do you mean they're not six? Oh, you mean the genocided people, the dead yeah. people. The, okay. And Just, by the way, neither neither are Bishop or Cable. Hope is the only six. Ah, Cable's a 616 person, kind of. Yeah, I guess Bishop's Bishop. not. But Bishop is 616 from for coming back. He lives in the 616. I mean, is hey, Rachel is a 616 that, person? Why does Bishop still live here? Because the future sucks. The future does suck. Actually, no, you answered that question right away. <laughs> he shows up. His sister's already dead. And his two best friends, Malcolm and Randall, have also been killed. So why would he go back to the future? Never mind. It actually makes sense. If I was Bishop, I'd be like, yeah, I'd be like, what are you talking about? The Summer's Rebellion was not fun. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that again. This sounds terrible. So anyway, I stand Never by mind. it. Bishop character assassination time. Bishop has gotten to the point where he's he's got a nuke in his uh, 
his robot arm, his right it's arm. It's his last nuke. Yes. And, um, you know, at any point, he could just touch that button. And I, I did wonder to myself, when Bishop sleeps, does he worry about rolling over onto the button? Because <laughs> he knows like that, that he like will to blow think, up, too. I like to think there's like a biometric element or something oh, okay. to the button. Well... It's just hanging out there. It's just a red button. Doesn't on Emil blow it up at the end? Oh, well, but the arm. Yeah, because the arm is disconnected from Bishop by the end of the story. Look, the button. Logistically, there are challenges with Bishop's nuke button that he has. I just wouldn't want one of those on my shoulder. I'm telling you, I don't know how like. Yeah, but if but if he kills Hope, then his timeline doesn't exist. And then also he doesn't exist. And then everything's good, actually according to this version of the character for sure. Um, so the other thing that's important to mention is that while hope and cable and, and Bishop, well, specifically cable, he can only time slide forward in time. They cannot yeah, jump back. Thing broke. Right. Cause his thing broke. <laughs> Whatever. It, his thing did break Adam. His thing that's broke. <laughs> That's what that's what the story tells us is that his time travel thing broke. Yes. Yes. So um, the first two issues here are about the, the the initial jump and that two year separation between Cable and Hope, which serves also to age Hope up. Um, and then By two years it gets her to like 10. Yeah. But then the next arc ages are up again. Another right. Like they go up to space. Right. So the rest of this story, the core and why we're talking about this issue, uh, this uh, episode is because they get up into this spaceship. They're being hunted by uh, Bishop and the people of, you know, strife, age of strife, people, ancestor, not ancestors, um, uh, the next generation. Right. And then the brood are there. The brood show up in their spaceship, the Ensabanor one up. Uh, great spaceship. Name, it's by awesome. the way. <laughs> yes. So good. Uh, Emil did accidentally take them there because they think that Bishop is a uh, Archbishop of the Age of Strife. Find that very funny that he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm a Bishop. Oh, you're like you're like a Bishop." <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, um, he's convinced them that Hope is his daughter, and that he needs to get her back at any cost. Yeah. It's I a, it's a good again strategy. proponent of adoption, big fan. Truly, a lot of my family was adopted. Whole thing. You feel like they would have asked when they saw Hope. When who feel saw? Like Hope? they would have. Like the people that Bishop is grifting, they're like, I don't think that's your daughter. <laughs> I, I think Bishop. I feel like. I feel like you send us on a, a interesting path here. And granted Bishop does intend on killing all these people. So the fact that this lie does not really pan out in, probably their, fair. in their defense, they never really see hope until they get up to the spaceship. And then it's yeah, chaos. It's absolutely chaos because somehow the hope, show up. hope evades these age of strife people for like two years. Never, never makes a, you know, an appearance ever. Emil is the only one to see her somehow for two solid years. It's pretty impressive. Hopes. People sometimes wonder how you should write hope. And there's a handful of people who have figured it out. They are Kieran Gillen and they are uh, Dennis Hopeless. 
And Dennis Hopeless figured it out because he said, I'm going to write her just like she's small cable. And that <laughs> yeah. is correct. Yeah. People are like, well, what if she's just like a regular teenage girl? No, she's not. She's small cable. She's redheaded cable. It's great. She and will shoot you in the face. I, I think Dwayne is doing a pretty good job. I think what annoys me about this arc is the Emil character and this whole Emil who sucks that Emil, and the whole like, story is about him. Yeah. That these 10 this year old dude who sucks, these 10 year olds that fell in love and he's doing this all to And I'm like, they're 10. Like, this is a little weird, you know, like if they're really 10, I don't know. Is Emil really going to like go to the ends of the earth and stab people? And, you know, it's like, He's 10. The other thing about this is that no one can draw children. <laughs> so Emil alternates between like six and, and 14, like he's, 16. He's a bald kid. So he looks like an old man. Sometimes you're already gambling with a bald kid. And again, I get it. Aesthetics of the whole strife future understood that was set in the 90s but give him a hat (laughs) cable had one it looked great on him give emil a hat (laughs) give him something so the the brood um do rip off um bishop's robot arm and are basically like you will take us to this all-powerful mutant that will you know change all time meanwhile cable is this is bishop great. also runs a grift on the brood we have to yes. be so clear that Bishop's great. so many grifts um i also do really appreciate issue 20 um drawing who, who did the cover for for issue 20 um oh i don't know it's uh, 100 it's 100 arnold schwarzenegger cable which is pretty rad I don't know who the model for Bishop was. These covers are great, actually. Dave Watkins does a fantastic job on the covers. Uh, There's a part where Cable is stabbing the eyes of a brood, and I appreciate that. Bishop (laughs) is chasing him. I do really... Do you like the part where... (laughs) Okay, so first of all, when the broods show up, they basically make an air pocket outside of the ship. Very convenient. But they have sharks with rocket rocket butts. I don't know how else to put this. They they're literally sharks from underwater. Yeah. Like the are sharks, earth sharks, but they're shooting around because they have like jet propulsion like in their bums. All I'm going to say <laughs> is that having having big fish be propulsion methods for the brood is tight in continuity. Like that's we get the Akanti here. We get those big whales. It's true. They will become deeply important to the rest of Cable and Hope. Because <laughs> they get they get stuck in a spaceship with an Akanti. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. They escape. The Brooder, nothing in this. Though it is funny that here's the, the three stories in this Brood arc specifically are Bishop takes Pawn, Queen takes Bishop, and mm-hmm. Checkmate. Yes. I think that's very great because Bishop bishops grifting a meal and then the brood queen takes over bishop and then checkmate is the last one uh Emil thinks that he has bishop and makes the nuke go off i've got something to tell you bishop's still around <laughs> well and it Emil does make the ultimate sacrifice that any 10 year old would make and instead of escaping with uh hope in the two remaining life pods he lets uh hope and cable escape 
Um, hey guys, why'd you only have two life pods? <laughs> it's really strange for a ship that size. Maybe they were the guys, last why remaining. only two? I don't know. I don't know. He does Vulcan neck pinch hope at some point, which is weird. Insane, insane choices that they made. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how does this end? This is Basically, kind of a nothing story, right? Well, it, it serves a couple of purposes. Um, you know, it allows hope to get aged up and, uh, you know, be your own character for a couple of issues, but it's not the most exciting part of this 24 issue run. How about that? Yeah, let's say that I'm flipping through the cable stories that we have on here. 416 is cable and Deadpool, the burnt offering, which is better than this. I would agree. 511 is X-Force and cable annual 1995, which is, hmm. I think, better than this. Yeah, I think so. Well, and then below that, 514 is Cable the Long Way, which is that uh, uh, Genosha story where it has that good issue where there's a countdown timer the whole time. Yeah, that that's definitely better than this. Um, this is better than the Onslaught issues of Cable, though. Oh, yeah. That's at 615 or 625. So we're in. I think. How do you like this compared to X-Men versus the Brood? I think this is better than X-Men versus the Brood. I would agree. I mean, I, I just enjoy the dynamics of this. I You know that I have issues with the way that Bishop is written here. But what I you will gotta give. You got to accept that that's the Bishop that we exactly. got. Exactly. And what I will give credit to for this arc is that something is happening. Like there is narrative momentum as part of this book that is interesting. Like it is telling a longer form story instead of just, you know, these little one-offs. And I think that's cool. How do you think of this compared to say, I don't know. Uh, this is better than generation X, big trouble in Madripoor that we talked about not that long ago. Yeah. What's at that? Three five thirty one. Oh, okay. We, Oh, we moved back up. Okay. Um, well, yeah. not that far back up because we said X Force and Cable Annual ninety five. Yeah. That's at five eleven. Yeah, this is probably I better. Think, well, okay, we said that Cable the Long Way was was better than this. That's I think Cable the Long Way is better than this. I think the first at Adabex the Extreme. Yeah. Uh, I think Deadpool Bad Blood's probably better than this. Yep, yep. Dazzler Herald of Galactus better. Is it though? Kind of. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. No, listen. We're getting hung up because we love the words that Galactus Herald or Dazzler Herald of Galactus more than we love the story. But the story is more fun than this. Here's what I'd say, Adam. Yeah. I would say above Amazing Adventures 11 through 16, below Curse of the Kralich, uh, which is the Leprechaun murder mystery. Perfect. So this is going to be our new 524. That's the end of this episode. Woo. Uh, we have the postscript stuff that we say, like thinking Matt Smith again, Thank who I that. assume is not the doctor from the doctor who. And I also assume that Matt Smith is very tired of that joke. <laughs> or he's actually that guy. So thanks for listening. Hey, if you're, if you're the doctor who Matt Smith, which again, wild choice to subscribe to this podcast. If so, I mean, enjoy. I actually, I have no connection to Doctor Who. I will never watch it. Uh, it might be great. That's fine. I've got, I was saying this earlier when someone tried to tell me about a Star Trek thing. I said, look, I selected the things I was going to know about back when I was young. And most of that's X-Men. It's X-Men. Fun facts about the Green Bay Packers. That's what I got. <laughs> really enjoying the, uh, the idea that, you know, Battle of the Atom is being listened to on the set of House of Dragons. You know, that, that just... 
That's a nice. Oh yeah, he's in that show. <laughs> Matt, I hope that goes for a million seasons that I never watch. Or the you know the set of Morbius like that that could have been a really uh, you know great little combo there. Morbin time. It bud. <laughs> I my best deck in in Marvel's Marvel Snap is a deck called Morbin Time. Yeah. Uh it's pretty consistent, all things considered, though. It is a little combo dependent, but I think most decks in most Marvel decks Snap are. are combo dependent. Absolutely. Uh you just have to mitigate things best you can. But I think Morbin Time can get through with three with like two or three pieces. Uh, but the timing has to work out if you're doing two or three pieces. Of course. Yeah. As uh, if you get, if you get, actually, if you get three pieces right and you just end up with your Dracula, your Modoc, and your Apocalypse, mm-hmm. uh, then you're in great shape and you're probably going to win two lanes. Uh, if you get a Morbius early, you're going to be good. If you get a Calling Wing and a Swarm early enough and a lock, or Lockjaw, then you can really do some interesting damage uh, that works as kind of an alt win. You got uh, uh, you got Hella in that deck? No, I don't have Hella in that deck, and I'll tell you exactly why I don't have Hella in that deck, because my turn six needs to be dedicated to Apocalypse, and I want to be using, well, not necessarily Apocalypse. Uh, turn six would normally be dedicated to either Apocalypse or if I don't have Dracula out uh, playing America Chavez, and then oh. using Apocalypse for my Dracula discard. The problem with Hela, very specifically, is if you do if you draw her before turn six, then she is essentially a dead card that I'm going to discard anyway. That's true. Because I am working turn six to have one card in my hand, and that is Apocalypse. Hmm. Or Apocalypse and a bunch of swarms. Hmm. Yeah, I just made some revisions to my uh, my Patriot deck. It's called La- the Lamos. Uh <laughs> I'm trying to trying to work that angle. It, it Adam, seems to be do good. You still, do you still have Cyclops in there? Or have you accepted that he is actually the worst card in the game? I do still have Cyclops in my Patriot deck, but I don't have as many Off cards curve. as you because I don't play this it game as often. That's fair. The problem with Cyclops, and guys, this is the last we're going to talk about this. This episode. The problem with Cyclops <laughs> is that he is... He is both a no abilities card that has not the greatest cost to power ratio, uh, but he is specifically on the curve where you want to be playing cards like Blue Marvel, cards like Patriot, cards like Mystique to double your Patriot. Those kind of cards that you need to be playing instead of Cyclops. So there are better things. Or you can also play like Brood. Uh, mm-hmm. the brood there as well to keep yep. it on on theme in my, for this episode. The brood are in my Patriot deck. They should be. Yeah. Uh, you generate two extra brood. If anyone uh, who works on Marvel Snap is listening, number one. If Ben Bernanke, not Ben Bernanke, that's ben not Bernanke. his name. <laughs> ben Brody, is it? I don't know. Is that the ben guy Bernanke's a is that the guy who does the ads and he's always so excited to tell you about He's the like the head developer. He's apparently a big deal in nerd people space. I don't okay. know. I didn't play Hearthstone. He seems great. Ben Bernanke, not related to this, no. was a former, former, uh, wait, no, he wasn't former Fed chair. He was the guy that got in a lot of trouble for Ponzi schemes, right? Uh, you're thinking of Bernie Madoff. I'm thinking of Bernie Madoff. Ben Bernanke was former Fed chair. That's fine. Yes. If we chair. have anyone from the Fed who's listening, <laughs> 
Would love to talk to you about monetary policy. Hold on. Let's go back to Snap for a second. If we do have any Snap developers listening, uh, how easy would it be just to give Cyclops the same thing as like a juggernaut or, you know, or a gambit? Just have him shoot his eye blasts up and knock a card over to another location or have him shoot up or or destroy a card. You know, like the, pro- the problem, Adam, is some card has to fill that spot. I know, but we can give there's so many bad Marvel characters. Oh, listen, so they many. could have given it to anyone else. I do think it's very funny in a meta sense to give it to Cyclops, <laughs> a character, a, yeah. a character that outside <laughs> of all comics in every other piece of media sucks. Now there is but another, in comics is the best. There is another fix to this, and that is they have not released Jean Grey yet. So once you release Jean Grey, make Jean Grey get Cyclops to do something. Mm. That would be cool. Adam, I'm going to give you Jean Grey spoilers for Marvel Snap. I know, later. I, I Sorry, and there's a Phoenix element to it. It's kind of kind of rules, but seems like it's a lot of work. Yeah. Okay, that was, that was Snapchat yeah. with uh, with Adam and Zach. Everyone, if you don't play the free-to-play Marvel Snap card game, then I don't know what to tell you. We just it spent, is a like, fun game. It's just like the last five that. minutes of this podcast. Yeah. Folks, you can always Un- follow unhelpful. me on Instagram at adam.rec. Uh, Zach, what do you have going on? Uh, you can follow me on Marvel Snap at Eddie Piss. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well you know if they had your code they could go one-on-one but the code changes every time anyway when there's friend friends list folks that's the only time i'm going to give out the username that's the only time only time you're going to find that one out uh (laughs) hold on wait zach i'm looking at the date that this episode is going to come out and i'm realizing and i I don't know if we want to want to tease this but there is an exciting thing happening on Comics XF in between this episode and our next episode. Oh yeah, Adam. Adam, do you want to do you want to tell tell the listeners about uh, what you what you have cooking? So we have uh, a really big name writer who is coming on to the site later this week to do an oral history of something that is really kind of pivotal to comics history, and I just I'm so excited for people to see it uh, and to read it. So. Um, Make sure you're keeping your eyes peeled. You're going to like it. Until then, folks, this has been Battle of the Atom. And we hope you survived the experience. Get it!